0: Hi, my name is Nick Tibusek and you are about to bring your strength and skills and through that your body to a complete new level with this podcast. In this podcast, you're not only learning about what's needed to train successfully, but also how to stay healthy and in shape long-term. As a calisthenics athlete, and coach, I train some of the best athletes in the world, and I will show you what details really matter and how to use the three cornerstones of planning, technique, and mindset to build yourself into the best version of yourself. This podcast is a combination of science, practical experience, and personal stories, which used in the right way will change your whole life. If you want more performance, look great, have more skills and mental power for your training, you're exactly right here. Because here you will learn how to make that happen. Welcome to the Strength and Skills Podcast. Let's walk the walk. But it's good. All right, here we are. Rado and Nick in the house and both at completely different stages
1: in that training right now, huh? Quite it's... different, no? Before it was very similar. All right, now there's a, there's a really big contrast.
0: Yeah, but it's super interesting. So you're like four days out of your first powerlifting competition. Yeah. And you're training less than ever
1: true true yeah
0: which is, which is super interesting let, let me hear about it how's it how's it going
1: yeah so as you mentioned i'm uh, four days out from my first competition um and those are the upper bavarian championships uh which i'm going to use then to qualify for german nationals in september uh, so i'll be competing in the juniors 93 kilo weight class and uh, i told nick already that there's only one other guy in my weight class so um unfortunately that's the thing um even though there are like 60 competitors out there uh, there's only two of us so uh one of the goals is going to obviously be uh to place first and um but that's one of the like secondary goals uh, the first goal is then the first to the first to qualify for german nationals go for na- go nine for nine and then if possible hit a, a 600 kilo total so um, that's what's up there on the menu for uh, this Saturday and like concerning training, as you mentioned, I'm training less than ever when it comes to frequency. Um, only training three times a week right now. And it's been like that for the past, I think two or three months. Um, the reason being, I have uh, so much work on the side that, um, I just can't make more time for training Yeah. and if I try and do one extra session, uh, we just saw that it wasn't as productive as, uh, the other three. Um, So we kind of tried to put uh, that extra work that had to be done in the fourth session in the three other days. Um, So we have less frequency, but still a little bit more work on those three days, um, which is still more sustainable. They're just going more often to the gym. And it's been crazy to see that even though, you know, you have those uh, general recommendations out there, you know, you want to have a certain amount of training days in a week. And this is definitely like on the lower end of that spectrum. I still manage to make really good gains uh, with that frequency, um, even though I'm not a beginner, you know. Like for a beginner, three times a week would probably be like the quote unquote perfect frequency. Like you don't need more. You you yeah. probably don't need more. But in the more advanced stages, you kind of need more work in order to, to seek more progress, uh, which kind of here seems counterintuitive. You know, why would I go for less if I want to go for, if I want to do more? Uh, but it's just like the environment and the setting and life playing a role and still trying to make the most out of that. you know, so yep. like i've I've just proven to myself, you know it's possible to make more with less. Hmm. Um, I've had people approach me in the gym asking, like how often am I training? And they're just like shocked with the fact that I'm only going to the gym three times a week. Um, like their story is, you know I'm trying, I'm, I'm training every day, going to the gym every day, but I still don't see progress. So, like, my conclusion was, okay, frequency plays a role, but probably not as big of a role as people like to think it is, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, abso- absolutely. And this is super interesting because uh, I was I was a, uh, always a very big advocate of, uh, let's have at least four days of, of training a week. And um, I think it was also, I, I said that because of this mental aspect of, doing more days in the week of training than resting because most people might have a little, let's say a motivational problem if you don't train a lot. So um, if you leave that aspect out there, it's, I think it's a very good way to just train three times a week. And I can say that because I do the same but I have one cardio session right now. Um, if if you listen to the last episode, which was about the ultimate athlete that I strive for 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 being in yeah. in my personal training right now, and um, also with um, loads of our clients, um, this is actually an aspect that I I just I just like it to not train every day and to be recovered and feel good and not having this. um, I have a less of a tired body. Let's say that way, because I I always tend to be the guy who loves to kill himself in training. And even if there was an RPE aid, it was a heart aid. Let's say it that way. you know. everybody knows that that feeling everybody who is into training for quite a while you know that okay there's a difference in an rpe and an rpe8 i think everybody knows that so
1: yeah i definitely like rpe8 is probably closer to rpe10 than uh, rpe7 and something like a sub6 and that's how we do it that's <laughs> a, no other way no other option
0: uh, uh when you have that like four or five times a week you most of the time just um have the the problem that you just don't get recovered and i think I, I i i can just imagine that um you probably have the same experience right now that you just recover so much better with less training especially at the intensities that that we are at and i think this is the super interesting part of it as i would say we are both experienced um lifters right now. So um, not, not world class, not a beginner, but somewhere pretty much in the middle of, of it. So, um, but I would say for the general population, we would be aliens with the, with the weights that we move. And um, what I see is I do have definitely a better recovery, training less. And I feel so good. And I have so much more time for other stuff, which was super important to me. And um, the interesting part was uh, also to me personally, I I would love to hear your opinion about it. I had always this thing in my mind that with three times a week, you probably don't make so many gains. And it's definitely not the case. I can see that, it works very well because I do it, you do it, loads of clients do it, a lot of people do it. You can make gains with three times a week, if the program is the right way. How do you
1: see that? That's exactly the thing, you know, like this notion that you can't make progress with only three times of training a week if you're a more advanced lifter or like in the intermediate range. Uh, the the like. The problem with that is you're not setting a context for that sentence, you know, for that claim. Mm. Like the context is really important and the context, as you mentioned, is the programming. Like the way you structure your program and the way you structure those three days is probably going to be more important than that, you know, frequency that we're talking about. So, yeah. for example, for me, like within those three training days, I'm benching three times, I'm squatting two times and I'm deadlifting once. And that for me, like we found that out for me individually, that works great. I could probably work with one extra benching day or one extra deadlifting day. But as noted, like in this situation where I have so much work from the outside, it probably wouldn't be productive. And it would be probably doing me more harm than good. So that's the reason why we don't do it. You know, so programming definitely plays a huge role, um, as that's going to be dictating, you know, the direction of your gains. Um, of course, if you're hitting a certain movement or a certain muscle groups uh, muscle group once a week, you can't expect much from that. So that's certainly there in the programming, the programming itself is one of the keys um, to achieve progress, for sure.
0: What I find super interesting here is um, I see the same thing with a lot of, of people at Dust Gym right now, which is pretty much filled up with bodybuilders. Um, where a lot of people go into the direction of these classic bro splits where you have like a certain muscle group per day and then split it up per week so like um have a having a bench day a chest day uh, a back day a leg day um a shoulders day uh maybe a core day i don't know
1: arms and and core
0: yeah (laughs) So, lots um, of them are doing that, and they're not enhanced. This is super important to say that. All of them are natural, but it it works very well for most of them. So, um, the interesting part here is because when you look into science there, you always have this thing of, yeah, but this is science. You have to have the frequency of two to three times a week, This the same muscle group. And uh, it needs to have the right stimulus and blah, 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 blah. blah. But in the end, this is just a, a thing that is a general guideline. And then you have to adapt it to the individual person and the circumstances of the person. And this is where it gets so super interesting because I'm, I'm making pretty good gains right now. And I'm mostly right now in a, let's say, hypertrophy phase where I add in the cardio stuff and I do work on certain uh, skill movements. And um, I definitely make gains on pretty much every area right now with the less training that I had during the past 10 years. And I'm not, and this is this is super interesting where we go now. I'm not training as hard as I had in the past years. It's not the same intensity. I'm I'm at the very much lower end of the higher intensity. So it's everything is a, let's say a RPE seven to eight, more into an RPE seven and I recover so much better. I have so much more fun in training because I'm not wasting so much mental energy on it. And um, it takes me less time, but I'm still making massive progress. So this is something which goes completely into another direction than usually science would tell you, and everybody else would tell you. On the other hand, you have like loads of people who are experimenting with stuff like this right now. I see that with a lot of people. I mean, when you look at at Valentin, when you look at at Andy. And um, all these people who are working at Das, das Gym and uh, with this um, whole intelligent strength crew, which, you know, he always tells us, um, yeah, Valentino always tells us, it's the lab. We do experiments here. And um, this is the super interesting part here. Um, we see that a lot of people are experimenting with stuff and a lot of stuff is actually working where everybody thinks it's not working. I mean, it's always on the individual person, we have to say that, but it's not that it's not working. And this is super interesting to see.
1: Yeah, like what you mentioned with being on the lower end of the higher intensity spectrum, that's literally the experience I've made in the past few months. Uh, because you're tracking both the volume that I'm doing in training, but also the percentage of uh, intensity in relation to my one rep max. And the interesting thing that you can see is that the volume is going up, my work capacity is going up on all of the lifts, all of the three lifts. And you don't see a shift like, you certainly like for one week, when we switched from, from four training days to three training days, you see a small drop because this was this readjustment phase but then later on, it kind of got even down or even higher up, even with the three, three training days. Um, and also with the, uh, with the intensity in relation to my one rep max, you can just see a steady increase, how it's going up and up and up. And like all of a sudden, after a few months, I'm doing my 90% of my one rep max at RP7 or RP6, you know, which of course, that isn't my one rep max anymore. It definitely went up. But it's just interesting to see this trend that I was training like at RP six, seven, or eight for mm-hmm. the bigger lifts over the course of a few months, repeating that over and over again. The adaptation certainly occurred, and then boom, you're stronger all of a sudden, you know? And this just kind of showed me that what I was doing in the past of trying to, you know, push the boundaries and push the intensities, and, you know, you have to have an RP nine or you have to have an RP 10 in certain cases. I was probably you know like not doing myself a favor there um and i guess uh the reason being i didn't appreciate recovery as much as i do now you know i think that people right now are in a really good way of understanding that recovery is like one of the building blocks that you want to have like ticked off if you want to have progress in the long term you know because there's only so much you can do in the short term with pushing intensities and trying to make the most mm-hmm. out of that like you can you can try and do that in two to three weeks like you'll be done you know you just won't be able to to increase weights increase reps increase volume whatever you want to do uh, because fatigued because you're fatigued you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and as you mentioned you know like I, I like the fact that in everyday life i don't feel this pains and aches you know i can perform i can function Especially with my PT job, you know, it's important that I'm able to you know physically perform, you know to to move to to get the plates on the rack and so on, uh, which yeah. you know sometimes in the past, if I were to try and do that, I was super tired, you know yeah, um so yeah, it's just it's just uh, great to see that you know this realization has been made that a recovery is important and you need to appreciate it.
0: What I find super interesting about that, would you say, you don't need these times where you push very, very hard? I mean, looking back into the years, because um, I, I, I'm, I'm giving you my experience. I think it's better if I give my experience yep. later on. Um, and you just tell me, would you say is there uh, a need of pushing hard in the uh, beginning?
1: In the beginning, well, that's, ooh, that's, that's really hard to say i think i think yes but on certain exercises in certain contexts you know like i wouldn't be pushing hard if i was a beginner on uh the back squat back squat for example like i wouldn't be going to failure there you know yeah using something as an assistance exercise let's say i don't know a bodyweight row you know and doing an amrap there yeah yeah it's just because you want to as a beginner you just want to see of what you're capable you know how yeah. much how, how, how much is in you what you can do because i like and I, I, ha- I have this experience with my clients at the gym there i sometimes you know give them an amrap at the end of a session and i ask them the question beforehand like how many reps are you expecting and most people underestimate i mean most all of them that i've had underestimate the number of reps that they could do and they always do more you know yeah so from this mental standpoint i think pushing it at the start definitely definitely is valuable
0: yeah where where do you see the breaking point how do you mean um let's say um let let let, let let's put a look into your history um yeah. you trained pretty hard with the body weight stuff uh yeah. where you probably trained a lot into failure which is classic Mm-hmm. Um, then you went into uh, more of weighted stuff and adding in some more free weights and stuff like that. This is pretty much where we started working together. And I think this was a time where you you pushed hard. Um, and I think it would be a kind of a mixing thing um, where you pushed very hard. But I would say, I, from just from what I remember, I haven't... I didn't write a 10 into a program.
1: I, no. I, I don't think I did that. No. no, there was there was maybe like, there were maybe some AMRAPs on like random stuff like diamond pushups. Yeah, you know? okay. <laughs> yeah, but never, there was never an RP10 yeah. on the main lift. Never, no, no, never. Um, as far as I remember, yeah. W- would you say there's a breaking point where you definitely have to
0: look more into the direction of, okay, until this point, we have to push very, very hard, or um, and after this point, we have to back down a little bit and go a little easier.
1: You know, that's uh, that's that's a, it's, it's a really you know open question that yeah, yeah we have to we have to like frame the context within that you know like strength athletes are doing that when they're peaking pretty much you know yeah but like. <sighs> I wouldn't say that you have to go to RP10 like two or three weeks out before a competition because you don't like you don't want to fail lifts in the first place because that's going to shatter your confidence yeah and second like the fatigue the sheer fatigue that's going to be built up like that you won't be able to taper that down even though you might like the idea that you probably can do that no you can't do that you know like if you go to RP10 on every lift uh, two or three weeks out before the competition that's probably not a good thing you know
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, So, like, how much you push and when you push, it's really hard to answer that question. Um, Surely, like, for the competition, yes, competition's athlete, competition strength, strength competition athletes want to do that. And um, if you're talking about a hypertrophy setting uh, where you want to build as much muscle as you can, uh, there pushing to failure um, is certainly uh, more applicable, I would say. Especially because you don't have, you know, these big compound movements all too much. Now, they're probably at the start of your session, but later on you have more isolation motions, which you can certainly just go balls to the walls, and uh, you'll be fine with, with going to a set of failure on bicep curls. You know, that's absolutely that's okay. You know?
0: <laughs> absolutely. You know, I, um, I would say my answer to that would be a lot of people start doing their training with this balls to the walls training but still leaving this let's say beginner thing behind them and i'm i'm, I'm talking about people who squat below let, let's say that way people who, who squat below 100 kg are pretty much beginners to me i would say so from this standpoint on where you start squatting 100 i mean it's hard to say a number for that I definitely yeah. have to say that because there's a big difference on if you are a 60 kg guy or a 90 kg guy. It's a complete different world
1: on squatting 100 kg. You know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe like making it relative. I don't know. Two times body weight is probably too much to kind yeah. of make this difference. Beginner, intermediate. Maybe one, one and a half times. I body would
0: say weight. one and a half.
1: Yeah. Um, let's let's say that that's a good example. Yeah, um, if you're if you're 70 kilos and you can squat 105, you're you're okay. You're good. Yeah, you, you're not you, a beginner. You're not a beginner anymore. Yeah,
0: you you started being a little more bit more advanced. And um I think this is still an area where a lot of people still have to because you, you learned until that point, you learned how to push on certain movements. You probably didn't do that on on uh, deadlifts and uh, squats. And um from what I see is a lot of people still have to learn how to push hard during that time. It's still the same thing, you know. And the very important part is this is actually the the time when it starts getting a little bit more heavy. And I think one of the biggest learnings here should be learning to push hard and still keeping form. Because in the beginning, you definitely are still in this... um, in this time where you definitely have more technical breakdowns because you just are still learning how to position yourself. And once you left that area, I think this is what makes you from a beginner to an advanced lifter. Um, Once you left that area, then you learn how to keep the tension and keep um, the, the form in a certain lift and learn how to keep it keep the form while pushing extremely hard and i think this is a super important one to to keep in mind that you still have to push and then comes this thing where you maybe reach the double body weight um squat and reach to to the higher ends of something come into the direction of maybe a triple body weight um deadlift which is also again a very you have to see this in, in, in a very big context. Because as an example, I'm a, I'm a 100 kg guy. A triple body weight um, deadlift, is I, I haven't got that yet. And it's, it would be 300 kg, which is massive. <laughs> and um, a triple body weight um, deadlift for maybe a 70 kg guy is still a massive lift. But it there is a difference on three hundred kg to uh, uh two hundred ten kg. Uh, this is just a difference, and you have to you have to keep that in mind. That in overall, it's probably even for the seventy kg guy, probably easier to get to that point than to than the person who has to lift three hundred.
1: Yeah, because three hundred is three hundred. You know, two ten is two ten, irregardless of your body weight. Mm-hmm. And of course, the three hundred is probably going to be more fatiguing for the bigger guy than the smaller guy, you know absolutely. <laughs> and um, this, I think this is super important
0: to have that in mind um, when when you look into this these things and to come back to the beginning question, where is this breaking point? I would say it's somewhere in there when yeah. you when you left this range of a double body weight thing or when you in in maybe in that area because still for me a double body weight squat is a 200 kg squat you know and um that's still a hard squat to me it it's not easy or something you know and i i can just imagine but um i think uh, if you're a 70 kg guy 140 kg squat is still extremely heavy to you and um i would say to be in the range of this somewhere there probably there will be the breaking point where you, where you just have to look for, okay, intensities are getting pretty high for me because you get a feeling for this intensity. And this is the very crucial part of it from my opinion, um, that you get this feeling of, okay, this is, I thought this is heavy in the past, but now I'm in at that stage. And I understand that at that time, I didn't really know what was extremely hard and this is super hard to explain but
1: (sighs) that's really interesting what you mentioned because like when i think back now i think i was at that point exactly before i joined uh the coaching Mm -hmm. viral coaching um because i was like i was i was around 78 kilos i was repping 140 for reps um, I, I was, I was doing, you know, relatively good muscle ups and the numbers on pull ups and dips were fine. Yeah. Um, and I, I found myself like going to a recession, trying to push it, going balls to the walls, every training, and I was coming back to it. And I was super fatigued, super drained, sore, almost every training. And then like asking myself, why did I hit this wall? You know, why things aren't moving in a good direction, a better direction. And then, like, my eyes kind of opened up when I joined the coaching and when I saw, like, okay, you probably need a bit more structure and you probably need to have a smarter approach now because you just can't keep going back to your old strategy of, you know, pushing it hard every training because that only works for so much time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, like, I, I literally made that experience now that you mentioned it, and it's really interesting that um, – No, it's exactly what you described
0: this is you know it is it's it's pretty hard for me to put that into words um to get into this because it's such a big dimension of of where where you where you add your body weight what what are the weights that you are moving and it could also go into the direction of skills okay because Yeah, yeah probably a handsome push-up for a seventy kg guy is a much easier, a much easier, and definitely much easier than for a hundred kg guy, because of of course you have to move thirty kg overhead less, <laughs> which is massive overhead, you know. And um, that that's some stuff where we we have to look into this, um, that some some things are definitely. Very, very individual here. But once you have this point where pushing is not helping anymore, I think this is a very good frame that you gave us here. Um, Once you reach that point where this pushing part is not helping anymore, you have to look into the structure that you are using and see okay, is there something that I probably need to change up? Because there will still be the time where you have to push some stuff. And this yep. is so interesting. I love this conversation right now. This is so 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 deep into this. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting. Uh, that that um, y- you can't really say there's a certain number, but you definitely can say there's a certain feeling in in the training and how you approach it and how things are going. Because I remember the time when you joined in, and I also remember the times during this i mean we worked together for like two years two years yeah and we had times where you had to push extremely hard and you did and it worked pretty well and then we had times where you didn't push that hard and it still also worked and this is super important to keep in mind then uh, when you look into stuff like that it's not that you're never going to push anymore yeah but you have to push at the right times in your life, and this is so, so, so important to understand that there are times where you have to push, and there are times where you have to push a little, <laughs> not
1: so hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and like I think it's important to throw it out there that uh, I, don't wanna, I don't want to, I don't want to have people think that we are labeling this pushing hard as a bad thing. You know having that having that ability is not bad actually it's something that's wished for you know having an individual who is able to push the boundaries and kind of challenge himself is probably better you know than having to you know make someone realize of what they're capable yeah because uh, you know those individuals who push hard and train hard Most of them are jacked, you know, most of them are strong already, most of them have good progress. And then when you put them in a setting where they have a program, they have a structure, they're just, you know, thriving, they're exceeding even more. Um, And then you have like people on the other end of the spectrum who are like worried about things, you know, Uh, how many sets should I do? How many reps should I do? Is this really an RP8? Did I push myself too much? those people who are like following the quote unquote scientific guidelines and who are worried about the science far too much, most of them aren't strong. Most of them don't look good, you know, and uh, most of them don't know how to push themselves. So this ability to push yourself and know how to push yourself is really productive, is really good, Uh, but then you want to kind of learn to control that and learn to apply that in certain situations when that's needed. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were talking about, you know, pushing hard, you don't want to push too hard and so on. I was just like, okay, I don't want people to think that it's something bad. (laughs) I totally get that. So, yeah, I just wanted to just throw that out there.
0: Oh, it's so so, so interesting. Uh, Another thing that I would love to mention here, um, I think this is super important, especially for beginners who are not that strong um, already, just to pretend things are hard. Doesn't make things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, I, 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 you, you see, I'm losing my words right now. But but that, that that's actually something. A lot of people that I see right now. We have this culture of people um, doing very hard sessions, and um, especially when when we look into the social media, all the big guys the the with big following stuff like that they tell you you've got to push hard and so the smaller ones um are doing the same things and uh, looking at their schedule trying to do what they do and then say yeah let's go for this but they don't look into the years of training where these people have been through and this is super important to understand my training from nowadays does not look like how my training looked back in the days some of the stuff that I did back in the days was complete bullshit and I wouldn't recommend some of the stuff was extremely good stuff that I would definitely recommend and um, this is super important to understand that you have certain things to do in your training Mm, life can we say so life phase I don't know Um, at a, during, at, a, at a certain time but what you never do you never do you don't pretend to work hard when you don't it just I I, I don't get that yeah I, I see you know I'm, if you Yeah, you
1: see it yeah did like...
0: you see that in my story with the hex squad thing
1: uh, I'm not sure no 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 I didn't
0: You know, I'm I'm making jokes about something there. I mean, this is a little rude, but um, I see that a lot. This is a great example of something. Um, We have a lot of people in the gym who are working at the hack squad machine. And I love that hack squad machine. Actually, I do understand. This is a new one. Um, everybody loves that new hack squat machine yeah? and yeah. Um, I I fell in love with it after I tried it and um, this was actually where my idea was born, okay, let's do some more hack squats instead of my squats because my hip is just uh, doing better with it um, that, that's that's what I told you before the podcast, you know yeah. um, and um but but what I see in that machine is a lot of people, they always f- film from the same direction. Everybody's having that video right now. Like everybody, <laughs> himself. Being in, in that hack squat machine, killing himself, and shaking with the arms while you hold here. Um, i okay. I call it the, I don't know what's the English word for that. The German word for that would be colibri. You know that bird? Yeah, the bird, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and they look the same. But when you look at that, they just start doing that with the last reps, which is, of course, it's completely normal. You, of course, it's normal but uh, that, that you do that when you really train hard. But then they come out of the set and they, don't, they are not completely fatigued. Because I think you and me, we both know how it feels when you had a hard set of hack squats and how you get out of that machine, how you crawl on the floor when that was really that hard. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then you see the people just walking out of it like it was nothing. And then I think like why did you pretend to train hard? Yeah, yeah. When you didn't. Mm. And this is a super important one. You are doing this for yourself. <laughs> I don't see why I should pretend to someone else I train hard when I don't. Because I'm not growing from that. That person is not growing. That person is not thinking, wow, he's training so hard. What a tough guy. He just thinks... I, I, I don't even think every anyone thinks about stuff like that.
1: I, I don't. Do you? No, like, uh, that's, that's, yeah. Wow, this topic is really interesting. Um, you know, as you mentioned, You have people coming into a set, and already on the first uh, on the first rep, they're making faces, they're grunting. You know, they're you know just want to create this uh, image of themselves that they're training hard. You know, they like the idea of it, and I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that social media has uh, you know such a big influence and it's such a big factor in everything that we do. And you see people out there, you know, you as you mentioned, uh, the small guys see the big guys, they see what they're doing. Right. And, and all of us have certain people that we follow and you kind of always pick up something from them. And like there's nothing bad in that, you know, you should, you're should you influenced by it. And uh, if you want to take that up, sure, take that up. Uh, but the issue becomes is when you're creating this, you know, image, when you're creating this um, illusion of, you know, the fact that you, you think you're training hard, but you're not. Um, You know, you're only showing that from the outside. And as you said, like, no one's going to think anything of that. The only person you lie to is yourself because, you know, like, you know for a fact that you didn't push that set to your truest truest failure. And you certainly have some more uh, reps in there or some more weight in there because Mm -hmm. you walked off so easily from it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of people nowadays are trying to be something that they're not. You know, because they're trying to fit into a certain um, group that Instagram or social media dictates them to be in. You know, yeah. if I'm a powerlifter, I have to—I don't know—I have to have all of the best equipment. I have to squat uh, with a power bar, or I have to wear—and a big thing now in powerlifting is wearing Jordans as squatting shoes. You know, you have people wearing Jordans everywhere as squatting shoes. Like heck, myself, I—I I even did it in a couple of sessions because I was influenced. You know. But then I realized like I don't like squatting in Jordan's. Like, why would I why would I, you know, be influenced by this outside factor if I'm squatting better in these weightlifting shoes? You know, I don't care about it. I don't care about my image on the outside if this makes me feel better or perform better. Um yeah. so I think like social media has such a huge, huge impact um that you really want to be careful about how you how you ingrain that, how you take that up, and then how you process it in the, in yeah. your training and of your in your everyday life, of course. Yeah, you know. So uh, why this is so important um to to bring it up
0: into this conversation because we were talking about hard training and how uh, yeah. it's actually hard and what's not. Um the important fact here is um and ex- as an example, especially as us as our online coach, what we see is a video of a person starting doing the first rep and ending with the last rep. Usually the person that sends in the video to us does not show how he walks off. All I see is that set. And it looks from the outside extremely hard, maybe. Let, let's, let, let's, let, let it be a video where that really looks hard because that, that, because that person made it look so hard. But on the other side, it was not that hard for you mm-hmm. and you just made it look, uh, look hard yeah the only person that you just you know when i look at it i'm like okay he he pushed hard okay we're probably at the right rpe here he did well he should grow i'm the person that is going to wonder like six months later looking at at the person and he doesn't change you know what i what i mean yeah this, I I see this from a coach perspective, at that point, looking at that, if you don't change, either the program was not working as well as it it should be, of course, individual genetics come in there, of course, that's classic, some people grow better, some people do not grow so well. And um, on the other hand, you have a lot of people who pretend to work very hard, but they don't change. And I see too many people working hard, quote unquote, you know, but they don't change. And I mean, I see the same people in the changing room later on, and I wonder how they still look the same after two years of training. And I'm like, you are lying to yourself. We are talking about hard training here, and we are talking about do not train too hard, but it just works. When you you at least once learned how to train hard. And that's the super important part. When you lie to yourself, it will not work. This is where I wanted to lead this, you know. Um, This is so important to understand. Because the other hand-on thing here is that we also have to bring into that. um, You know my my, uh, uh, coach back in the days, Seba. Yeah. And he said, you know, Nick... I know a lot of people who think they train hard, but the most of them did not realize there is a big difference in going hard balls to the walls on a curl and going hard balls to the walls on a squat. It's a complete different thing. Training hard on compound lifts is such a different thing than on machines and on isolation moves. And this is not to make people hardcore who do train on main lifts, on compound movements, you know? It's just these lifts are different. It is different. I think everybody knows that. You come out of a, let's say, a shoulder press machine. You do that. It felt extremely hard. But once you realize, you would do the same RPE on a real... Strict overhead press with a barbell, that feeling would be very, very different.
1: <laughs> yeah, big part of it is you, you don't have this safety aspect in it anymore. You know, it's almost like do or die. And I remember when I was squatting here in my in my room, I had no safety pins, and going heavy Ooh. on the squad was very scary. Very scary. I got yeah. that.
0: <laughs> oh, that, that was good times, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I once, I actually once got stuck in the bottom of a Bulgarian split squad. I was doing them uh, on a deficit, so my front leg was elevated, and I had a barbell on my back. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to failure, and I went all the way down, and I couldn't stand back up. I was literally stuck there, and I couldn't roll the the, the place down because I had collars on, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't throw the barbell back because it's, it would injure my back leg you know so i was literally stuck in that and uh what i did was i started screaming like a mofo like crazy (laughs) and luckily my my father my father and my brother heard me and they uh, ran in and uh, helped me uh, lift the weight up i don't know what i would do if uh, i was alone there like that was one of the scariest experiences in my life one of the scariest experiences and it's not like i had 40 kilos on my back i had like 90 or 100 on my back it was like oh my god what do i do now <laughs> that was a cry for help.
0: <laughs> what do we What do we learn from that? Use some dumbbells. <laughs> <laughs> some dumbbells. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck, that's a good story actually. Oh shit! I think yeah. we we should wrap it up right now because this the the, the episode is getting very very long. But I think um, everybody can take some stuff from it. I think the main main takeaway from it would be. You got to train hard, but you you got to know when when to back down, you know? When when to when do okay, it's hard enough. But before you do that, you have to know what's really hard.
1: What would you say? Do you have any any more takeaways from it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, at the beginner stage, learn as you said what's hard, learn to push yourself. Um, make that realization, make those mental gains, as we said, and then once you hit this um, quote-unquote wall and you find yourself, okay, pushing hard doesn't work so much anymore, seek for programs, seek for structure, seek for more advanced methods of programming, seek the smart way, and then apply that strategy only in certain settings in certain situations when you find that that's useful. You know?
0: that's That's a very good one. All right. So we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening. If you know someone who should listen to this episode, just send it over to that person. And um, maybe maybe you'd like to talk about um, this stuff with us, then you just reach out to us on the Strength and Skills Podcast on Instagram, or you just uh, hit uh, the email button and send an email to office at strengthandskills.net. And um, from there on, if you want to reach out for coaching staff, that's the same email address or you just go to uh, our um, uh, internet page. to so the website, it's strengthandskills.net and just schedule yourself a call with us and then we're going to get you a good structured program into your madness.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening and catch you on the next episode.